The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I'm so glad to see you guys. It's a, it's a good day. Hey, if you got one of these cards coming in, here's what I want you to take this and put it away. Out of sight, out of mind, okay? We'll deal with that at the end. Some of you are like, but what are we going to do? We'll do it together. We're going to walk through it together, class, at the end. So put that away. Um, and if you've got your Bible, go to <clears throat> First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles is in the Old Testament. Uh, First Chronicles is one of that, those books that, you know, for those of you who do the trek through the, you know, you start out the beginning of the year, which is almost here, man. I can't believe how quick this year has gone. Um, but you start reading through the Bible, like, I'm going to do it in a year. When you get to First Chronicles, if you make it that far, if you make it that far, that's where, that is where only the holy can go past. I mean, that's like Indiana Jones stuff right there. Only the penitent man will pass, Chronicles 1. But Chronicles 29 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. And uh, if you've got a smartphone, you can easily Google it. Um, but First Chronicles, if you're having trouble with finding it, it's right before Second Chronicles. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, chili cook-off is coming up. Just a couple of things. Bring some sides, bring some food. There's nothing more Christian than people getting together with food, right? Because um, that's biblical, that's holy. So bring some sides. Um, I, we need to see some banana pudding up in here. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm, the fast ends today, and I want some banana pudding in here, okay? I can start preaching and spitting about that. But um, also, tomorrow is Halloween, and I hear people say, you know, what are we doing as a church? You know, we don't do a trunk or treat and everything. Um, here's what our heart is about Halloween. Get into your neighborhood and meet your neighbors. Some of you are like, but that's the devil's day. You know what? Go redeem it. Take it back. You know, light, darkness can't penetrate light. So get out and know your neighbors. Hand out some candy, the good candy, not the dots and the stuff that, I mean, you're going to hand out candy where kids are going to egg your house. You're like, nobody in the neighborhood likes me. Well, give, you give crappy candy. That's why. So just saying. But anyway, here we go. Um, and, then, and then very important. Um, I don't. I don't go down. I don't do this soapbox, and I don't do this often from this platform. This is a platform of the gospel. This is not a political platform. But I'm going to tell you something. You need to get up this week and go vote if you have not voted. Um, I am tired. You can clap for yourself if you voted. So, and if you're clapping, you better be voting. Otherwise, I don't want to hear a word out of your mouth. All right. Because let me tell you something that I'm really tired of with politics and church. Christians sitting there going, I just don't think anything's going to happen. You know what? You got a responsibility. You got a right. You got a freedom. Go get engaged in that and vote, okay? And, and we can, I better stop. Or I'm gonna get, y'all going to get me worked up. Go vote, okay? And I'm doing my civic duty on Wednesday. I'm serving on a jury. I hope I don't get picked, but I... Um, <laughs> I got a lot to do. I'm all about serving my city, but I got a lot to do on Wednesday. Anyway, we, we've been in this series. It's easy for a pastor to get off. I'll be like, I believe in the divine punishment of hell. So, <laughs> dismissed. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we've been in this series 
one church, and it's about us doing this together, where God calls us to work together. And, and we've been wrestling with this question, what would my life look like if I were totally surrender to God because God has a vision for you. He has a vision for me. And then when we come together as a church, he has a vision for us. And so we've been kind of tracking along parallel with your vision, my vision, and our vision with the church and some of the things that God's calling us to do here at the creek. And uh, we've been kind of working through this and it's all about being surrendered to God. And, And the way we get into that is we have to surrender our life to God. That gets us in a place where we can hear him and then we take the harder step from hearing him, and that's walking in obedience. And when we're, we're walking in obedience, we can actually put things in God's hands that he can do the miraculous with. And today I want to talk about leaving a legacy. Um, now, it's interesting. Legacy, it's, um, it's like planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. There are people here today. Most of our church is here today because four years ago, our church said, hey, we're going to partner with God, and we're going to get prepared for the next step. And our church has more than doubled since moving into this facility. And so they, they rallied around a vision. I was there. We rallied around this vision. So we're going we're gonna to trust God and we're going to see lives change. And everything that the creek is about and everything that we will always be about is giving God glory through lives changed by Jesus. Because there's nothing else on the planet, there's nothing else in the universe that's better than that. And we've been tracking along with this vision. And before we can leave a legacy, before we can actually make an investment in the lives of generations, we've got to get focused on a vision. And God gives every one of us a vision. A couple weeks ago, I gave you some filters on how do we know this vision is from God. Um, First thing, God's vision is bigger than us. I love what Paul told the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3. He said, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. And I love this. This gets into legacy talk. Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. You and I are recipients of that blessing. We are generations down the line that there are the apostles that laid a legacy and left a legacy of the gospel that has transformed our lives and we get to be here today and worship our Savior because of that legacy that they put in place. God's dream and vision are impossible to do without his help. That's that, that thing where when we start to fill our dreams, we start dreaming, we start thinking, how can I accomplish this? God's vision is you can't do it on your own. It's, it's just like Moses. Moses told God, you got the wrong guy, and I can't do this. And God said, I've got the right guy, and I can do it through you. And he's fully surrendered his life. And then God's vision is compelling. You don't get away from it. I mean, it drives you. It keeps you up at night. It gets you up in the morning after you finally fall asleep. And then all day, you're just thinking, God, what are you doing? It's just this compelling vision. And all that starts when we surrender our lives. We will see God do incredible things when we've surrendered our life. I mean, you heard Robin Christie's story. I mean, there's reconciliation and love and hope restored in a marriage only after surrender. There has to be a surrender to God to say, God, it's got to be you. And if we don't get to that point in our life, we're going to continue to go through life trying to figure things out, make things happen, do things under our own ability, our own power, and we miss out on the power and the blessing of God in our life. I mean, let me, let me kind of help you with some of the vision here at the creek. God has given us a vision to give him glory through lives changed by the gospel. That's what it's always been about. 
Now, God has given us a vision for capacity here at the creek, and he's called us to add some more space, more capacity for more ministry. The vision of the creek is never about a building. The legacy of the creek can never be about a building. I mean, Heather and I love to travel, and we look at beautiful architecture, and you'll go and you'll see these incredible buildings. We spent some time in Paris last year, earlier this year after our, we did a layover from Africa, and the buildings are incredible. And you start thinking, man, that's a great legacy for the designer. That's a great legacy for the craftsman who built that incredible building. When we look at the creek, the legacy is not a building. The legacy, our lives changed. I mean, I drove by... I've, through this series, I've driven by the daycare several times. If you, if you don't know the daycare story, we launched in a daycare on Huffines and Shadydale in Marine Creek Ranch. And I, I've driven by that several times through this series. And when I drive by, I don't look at the legacy of the creek as a daycare. I think about what God did inside of that space. And it's humbling. And I think about what God does inside of this space, and it's humbling. And so the legacy of the creek is not about building, but why people ask, this has been the number one question asked, how big do we expect the creek to get? Um, God has not called us to build a campus here that's, you know, five to 10,000 people. Some of you, and, and I deal with this, I came from a large church and I'm not knocking large churches. There's incredible ministry that happens, but some of, some of those questions and I don't mean to step on toes, but they're, they're asked out of fear because you may have been in a larger church and you feel like you got lost. Well, that's the heart that we have to protect here at the creek. That's the heart of community. That's why we do things like the chili cook-off so we can get together and build those relationships. That's why small groups are so vital for you to build those relationships. But people ask, how big is the creek gonna get? This campus has a limit the largest that this campus will, that will, if we build all the phases at full build out, we would have a 550 seat worship center and then the auxiliary space for incredible children's ministry. So what happens then? Our vision is to be in that sweet spot where God's called us so that we can fund ministry and we launch churches. Because here's what I believe. There are communities around us that need the authentic life-giving ministry that the creek offers. I mean, when you walk in, some of the biggest feedback we get when people walk in, like it just felt like home. Okay, there's other communities around us that need that feeling. And so my heart isn't to draw people from all of these communities from miles around, but get churches in those communities where they experience that life. So our heart, our vision, our goal is to be able to launch churches in those, in those areas. And there will be a day that I will stand up here and I will say to some of you, I'm asking you, Instead of moving to 8.30 service or 11.30 service, I'm going to say, some of you, God is calling you. You live in this community, and God is calling you to be a part of this church plant so the authentic nature and the life and the family that we experience at the creek, you help foster and create and nurture in this community. So I don't, don't think that's not coming. I will stand before you and say, I need some of y'all to go, and I'm, I'm expecting y'all go because God, that's the vision God's given us as a creek. So Let's, let's start understanding this because in order to accomplish the vision, I'm just gonna get real practical with you. Ministry takes dollars and it takes us working together. See, it's not one of us doing it all. It's all of us working together to accomplish this vision because when God gave the vision for the creek to Heather and I, there's no way I could do it by myself and God has brought you along 
to help in this vision of seeing lives changed and God getting the glory. And we're going to continue to press in and pursue that. This is not about square footage. This is about moving forward in the vision God has given us. And, and this, this story in, in First Chronicles, David is the king of Israel, and they're getting ready to build the temple. And this is what he says, verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 29. And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord our God. <clears throat> so I've provided for the house of my God, so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for things of silver, the bronze for things of bronze, the iron for things of iron, the wood for things of wood. Besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, that's antimony, not alimony, um, <laughs> colored stones and all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God, 3,000 talents of gold. A talent is about 75 pounds, so that's about 225,000 pounds of gold, um, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by craftsmen Gold for the things of gold, silver for things of silver. Who then, this is what David says, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of the father's houses made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands and of the hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold. A derrick is about a quarter ounce coin. 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 10,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel, the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced. See, it's easy to get in here and think this is a money context because it, this scripture goes into detail about how much and what quantities people gave. But we've got to understand the spiritual context of what's going on, that David had called the assembly together. And I, I want to kind of pull out some key phrases, not just the, the, the pounds of gold and, and all of these things, but let's pull out some things that we've got to understand. In order for us to leave a legacy, yes, there's a cost, but the cost has to be a spiritual cost before there's a financial cost. The first thing David said is this. He said, the work is great. I mean, this is that part of that vision that you know it's from God because it can't be accomplished without his help. The work is great. Creek, for us, the work is great. There are a lot of lives sitting around us this morning that are in hopelessness and despair, and we've got a lot of work to do. That, I mean, people ask, why in church are you always asking for people to volunteer? Why are you always asking for people to walk in obedience and giving and, and being generous to the house of God? It's because there's a great work, because for us to minister to the people, it's not just about money. We've got to have leaders in the house of God that when people walk in broken, there's people that can get their arms around them and say, hey, this hurts right now. This is awful, but let me walk with you because your best days can be ahead of you. And I can't do that with every person. That's why we continue to call up leaders, because there's a great work that God's put in front of us. Then he says, because of my devotion. 
David says, because of my devotion, in the King James Version, some of y'all grew up in the King James and just that's all you can hang on to. This is what is translated. David said, I set my affection. But he didn't set his affection or his devotion on the temple. He set it on God. See, that's a filtering question for us. Where's our affection? I, I can tell you this. I do not like building buildings. I like building lives. And my affection is set on what God wants to do in me and through me. My affection is set on my Father, who is the one who is able to do far more than I can ask or think. My affection is set on my Father, whose power is at work within me. And then David says, in addition... King James says, over and above. See, this it's going to cost us something. This is the principle we talked about last week, that God can only multiply what we put in his hands. It's the kid and the lunch, where here's my happy meal, and then Jesus feeds 5,000 men, and it's estimated up to 20,000 people when you count women and children. He says, here, okay, God, do it. It's only when we put something in God's hands that he can multiply and offer that, that supernatural deal. I, I, man, and, and we just, let me just help you. This doesn't mean that when you give a hundred bucks that God's going to give you a thousand. If you've been around that, that's, 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 uh, God's not a debtor to any man, so he's not going to owe you a debt, but that doesn't mean that you play a financial system with God. Let, let me give you an example of this. We have a, a family in our church. We have, we have a woman that's been with us since right after we launched. And in the first campaign, she came to me and she said, all I can afford to do, Pastor Matt, is $10 a week. Do you think God will bless that? Yes, God only multiplies what we put in his hands. And she thought, I'm not bringing a lot to the table. But see, this isn't about an equal gift. This is about equal sacrifice. And so for three years, every week, there's a check. $10 $10 for the building campaign. And over three years, yeah, she gave 1560 bucks. but it's, let me help you with it. It's not about the money because when God multiplies it, let me tell you what God did in her life. He didn't give her a, an abundance of money. But when she started faithfully giving, her husband was nowhere near church. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. This summer, he gave his life to Christ. And he's sitting in church. He comes to one of our services every week. That's the benefit and the blessing. So it's, it's about what we put in God's hands, and then we expect him to do the miraculous with it. I would much rather, let me tell you something, I would much rather have someone who is not close to Jesus come close to Jesus than to God to give me money. So anyway, um, then David said this, who then will offer willingly consecrating himself? Consecrating himself. This Consecrate means to set apart. And here's the thing. In, in church, you know, we, we can't separate some things. We can't separate our finances and our spirituality. And, and we've tried to do that in the church for generations, where we separate spirituality and financial, or we separate spirituality and sexuality, or we try to separate um, 
our spirit, uh, this is kind of the hypocritical attitude that most of us get exhausted with that here's who I am on Sunday, that I'm this holy, I'm a spiritual person, and I look like I got my stuff together, and when I walk into church, I can put on that face, and like, I got my, my stuff together. And then on Monday, your whole world is falling apart. And it's that whole exhaustion of living a Sunday life and then a Monday through Saturday life. And we, that's because we, as the people of God, have tried to compartmentalize and separate these things from our spiritual nature. And when David says, who's willing to consecrate themselves today, it's who's willing to be set apart to be used by God. So you cannot separate these things. Because I am a Christ follower, because I have submitted my life to Christ, I can't separate. That doesn't change and separate how I view my finances and how I steward and how I manage the things God gives me, whether that be relationships, sexuality, my work, my money, my family. We can't, we can't put those in compartments by themselves. This is us joining God in this journey. I'm saying, God, I'm set apart to do the work that you've called me to do, and I'm fully invested, I'm fully surrendered, and I'm gonna do what you want for my life. Because here's the reality. God's vision for your life is better than anything you can imagine. You don't have the creativity to think up what God wants to do in your life. It's only when we're submitted and set apart for him, by him, that we experience that life that's truly life. And I think, I think what God says is the ball's in your court. What are you gonna do? And, and then it says, then it goes into the action. See, we can say, okay, God, here I am. Set me apart. I wanna be set apart for you. But then the action, there's something we have to do. And the scripture says that the leaders offered willingly. The leaders went first. Why is, why, again, why are leaders in the church so vital? We need somebody to lead people. You know what, you know what humbles me? That we can be honest about our mess in this place. And there's a lot of us that have a lot of mess. And God trusts us with a lot of mess. And Heather and I were talking about this last Sunday and Man, it, it moved me, and it humbled me because, you know, Jesus said to the religious freaks, or the religious folks, we'll say it that way. This is going out on Facebook Live, so we can't edit this one. It's not the well who need a doctor. It's the sick. And I haven't come for the well. I haven't come for the righteous, but I've come for those who are so broken. And let me tell you something. We need leaders at the creek because God trusts us with a lot of brokenness. And it's humbling because he said, I'm sending the broken where they can get reconciliation. I'm sending the sick where they can get healing. I'm sending the lonely so they can get set in a family. That's why we need leaders. And the leaders are called to lead. Last Sunday night, our leaders, our core gathered in this room and we had a worship service like I haven't experienced in a long time, maybe if ever. It was powerful. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit was just, it was, it was awesome. And our leaders made their commitments last Sunday night. 
They took the cards that you're not looking at right now. Stop looking at it. And they filled that out and they said, we're going first. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And the leaders offered willing. In a minute, the leaders are also going to recommit. They're going to make their commitments again alongside of you. And leaders, remember to write duplicate at the top. Otherwise, I'm going to double it up. <laughs> you know I'm joking. The right duplicate on the top, just so we know. Um, and then it says this. The people offered willingly. But then it goes on to say there was great rejoicing in the assembly. See, the, the rejoicing happens after we've given, after we've surrendered, and after we've been engaged and let God move in us and move through us. And he says that the people offered willingly. With a whole heart, they made a free will offering. Now, this wasn't a manipulation. This, some of, here's the reality. Through the last six weeks, God has actually kind of helped you and helped me with some of the baggage that we have with church in the past. Some of y'all have some baggage with church in the past around churches and money. Maybe it's been mishandled. Maybe you've been just, just guilted in saying, you've got to give, you've got to give. And maybe, maybe there's been manufactured tears that says, if you don't give, we're not going to be able to do this. And, and yes, ministry takes money, but it can't be done under compulsion or guilt. It's got to be. The giving happens this. The only reason that we can rejoice after we give is when we hear from God and we walk in that obedience. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, says that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That, that means guilt. Guilt, you don't give because somebody guilts you into giving. You can regret that. For God loves a cheerful giver. Let me tell you something. God's called me to lead the creek, and I'm, I'm putting all of my blood, sweat, tears, and guts into being the pastor that he's called me to be. And I'm going to be a faithful steward of every penny he trusts me with because every penny, I believe, can be translated into a life changed and they're rejoicing in the presence of the angels. And God has called some incredible people to walk this journey with us. But when you do it cheerfully, that makes it a lot of fun. And when people have a crabby attitude, I said crabby, crabby, crabby attitude, some of y'all translate it. Yes, that can also mean crappy attitude. If you got a crappy attitude following Jesus, let's just get real for a minute. It's not fun to walk with you. I mean, if somebody's in a bad mood and all the time, and they're just like, well, I just don't think Jesus is going to do anything. It's just like Christians in this election. I don't think Jesus is involved. You know, I don't think. You do it. Be cheerful. And God says, give cheerfully. If you can't give cheerfully, get this. Don't do it. If you haven't heard from God, see what we decide in our heart, if you haven't heard from God, don't do it. Well, but the law says that I've got to give 10%. God wants your heart more than he wants your dollar, all right? God wants your obedience more than sacrifice, okay? So God is after, it is a spiritual process. That's what we're called to do, hear from God and be obedient. That's the life of a disciple. That's the life of someone who's surrendered fully, following Jesus into the life and the vision that he's put before them, that God, here I am. I'm going to hear from you, and then I'm going to walk in obedience. 
God, with my job, I want to hear from you and walk in obedience. With my finances, with my family, with everything, I want to hear from you and walk in obedience. So people start thinking, okay, with this campaign and, and what, what this means, and you, know, so you start filtering, like, what can I afford? How do I go about giving? Let me give you some practical things. People ask, you know, the, 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 there's three levels of giving. It's kind of what can I afford? So can I do anything? God cannot do anything. And then the next one kind of gets a little bit deeper. What can I sacrifice? So we're like, God, is there something that I can give up? I mean, some of you gave up cigarettes to put that money into the campaign. That's a sacrifice. Yes, it's unhealthy, but it's a healthy choice you're making. But that's a sacrifice because there's going to be people around you suffering Until that's, that, that's out of your system. Some of you have said, you know what? We're going to give up going out to dinner one night a week. That's a sacrifice because that means you got to cook. So it's what can I sacrifice? And that, that's still in our natural logical level. But what God wants us to get to is asking him, God, what can I trust you to do through me? That's where we hear from God. If you don't hear from God, don't do it. But God, what can I trust you to do? And, and God calls us to walk in faith. And I believe there's a fine line between faith and stupid. But God doesn't call you to walk in stupid. God doesn't call you to make an emotional decision and go, you know what, I'm just gonna sign everything in my bank account over. Now, I would say that's probably walking the line of stupid because you need lights, right? You're gonna have to go to the grocery store and they don't take faith. So he calls us to be smart with it. And so that's hearing from God and being obedient, hearing from God. And I'm not asking you to do anything I wouldn't do or any leader wouldn't do. Heather and I, were the first one to commit. And I will be the leader that God's called me to be. And I will put every ounce of my blood, sweat, and tears and guts into seeing God get glory through what we do and through every life change. What I want to do, I want to talk to you about that card now. I'll talk to you about that card. Do you want to come up, Heather, or do you want to stay down? And, you know, I'll, bring my, I'll bring the eye candy up. No. Um, I could not do any of what I do without this woman standing beside me. She is my better half, and she is. Look at that. They love you. She's my better half, and she is my encourager. And when we launched this church, I said, here's what God's, I feel like here's what God's calling us to do. And she said to me what Jonathan's armor bearer said to him, I'm with you heart and soul. And that's all I needed. I knew the Holy Spirit had called us and I knew she's with me and that's all I needed. So I wanna talk to this card on one side. There's a way for you to, you put in your name and all your family information and you can update that. So we'll actually update your information if you got some of y'all might have grown up and, and changed your email. So, you know, the sexybeast.gmail.com is now uh, a solid email that an employer would actually respond to. Um, so um, we will update that information. But, um, and then uh, let me talk to you about the importance of the card. The first thing is it's getting our commitment in writing. It's saying, God, I'm putting this, I'm writing your vision down. I'm writing this down. But the other thing, just to be real practical, is it helps us plan. Because at the end of this month, we're going to sit down with those cards and we're going to say, okay, God, what do you want us to do as far as capacity? What step do we take? 
And we're going to be faithful to that. We're not going to do more than he's called us to do, and we're not going to do less than he's called us to do. And he's going to give us peace about that. But those cards help us plan, and that's real practical. Also, a couple practical things. In two weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to do what's called a first fruits offering. And that, that is a way for us to jumpstart our giving. So that'll be, that'll be our first gift towards our commitment. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to pray about and challenge you um, about the gift God may be calling you to bring that weekend. If you give online, let me say this. If you give online, um, I'm asking you to pray about bringing a check because our online companies charge us to process those. So um, here's, the, here's the need. I'm gonna put the need out before you. And I don't believe that this motivates people. I believe vision motivates people. But the need that we're looking at between now and spring is about $125,000 to $150,000. That is to get the project started. So all of the back end scene and all the behind the scenes and, and fees and assessments and um, what are they called? Surveys and geotesting, all the stuff that I don't really want to know about and I hate to know about, but I got to know about. But that's, that's the need to get us started. So we want to jumpstart that in two weeks. So um, if you could do that in-house instead of online because they charge us about 2%, 25 to 3% um, for those transactions. So I'd rather not give them the money. I'm too stingy to do that. Um, and people have asked, how can I give? You can do your campaign giving online or you can do it in the envelopes and you can do it weekly, monthly, once a year or just a one-time gift. And so when you look at the frequency on the other side, you know, what you'll do is put in the amount that God's laid on your heart, and then what your giving frequency will be. And there's some things at the bottom that show you, you know, here's what that adds up to be. If you're, if you're $10 a week, man, that's $1,560 over three years. That adds up. God multiplies that. Um, and then some of you can do more. Some of you can do less. Some of you can't do anything. And here's what I want to challenge you with. It's not us giving equal amounts. It's us doing this together and us sacrificing together because our church, none of us can just, hey, here's a check for the whole thing. But it's the obedience of every one of us that when we bring our gifts together and give that to God, he can do something great through that. So I'm gonna give you a few minutes to pray. And what, you, what I want you to pray for is this. I want you to pray for God's peace and his presence and his provision for your family, for us as a church, that he leads us with peace. Pray for the leaders at the creek. Pray for... You're everyone else at the creek, the people you come to church with. There's two other services that you may not know people, but pray for them that God does something incredible in their life. And then pray for the people that God's gonna reach through this time. I mean, a lot of you are here because of the faithfulness that God put on us to move from the daycare to here. And so pray for those people that are right now sitting in bondage and hopelessness and despair that God would lead them into his light, his healing, his hope. And then I want you to take some time. The band's gonna pray and they're gonna start a worship song. And then when you're done, here's what you're gonna do. You can worship with us, but when you're done filling out your card and you're done praying, just fold that over and we've got some baskets on the, the cabinets that you can lay those cards in on your way out and then you can consider yourself dismissed. But I want you to spend some time, just a few minutes praying about this. This has to be a spiritual process. If we raise a lot of money, but we're not in love with Jesus, it's a failure. So let me pray for us, and then let's pray together. So Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you've given us a vision. And God, I just pray that this morning, if there's anyone in this room that, that, that for whatever reason, and maybe it just be baggage from the past or 
unmet expectations or, or whatever it is, but they've never trusted you to be their Lord and their Savior, then I ask you to give them the courage to lay the best gift on the altar, and that's their life. That they just surrender themselves to you, Jesus, and say, I, I, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, Jesus, to be my Savior, and I'm asking you to write your vision on my life, and I'm surrendering myself, and I'm pursuing the life that you have you've authored for me and you've, you've set before me and I'm choosing that today. God, I do pray for your peace and your provision over our families and your protection over our families. God, I pray for the leaders. Thank you for incredible leaders here at the Creek. I thank you that we get to walk with such incredibly wonderful people at the Creek that we call family. And God, I pray for our family that we haven't even met yet. That right now, they're lonely. But they're about to walk into that revelation that you set the lonely in families. So we thank you for those that you're gonna set in this family, that you're gonna set free with your grace and your hope, your mercy and your kindness. And we thank you for the vision. God, it's... Our legacy is not about space and square footage. Our legacy is about your glory. And God, that I pray that written in the history of heaven and eternity, that on this day there was a group of people willing to step out and trust you and obediently pursue everything that you've called us to be. And God, I pray that you continue to use us to bring rejoicing in heaven for lives changed. We love you and we thank you. We trust you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.